If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, join me in Romans chapter 6 this morning. And if you don't have your Bible, no worries. Grab your phone. Uh, use what we call the Glow Bible. Um, or just follow along. I will tell you ahead of time, some of the words will be on the screens. I did not. We're going to cover the entire chapter of Romans 6 this morning. I didn't put it all on the screens because there's, there's quite a bit. And we're not, gonna, we're not going to read every one of the verses this morning. But in context, we will, we will cover those. And we're, we're beginning a new series this week for three weeks. And the series is called Dying to Live. And so as, as we kind of start out our, our morning together this morning, because what we're going to see is a shift in what Paul is writing to his audience in Rome that, that shifts for us our discussion. And, and it's where this, this title comes from, Dying to Live. And so as we start out, you know, just, and, and you may not want to answer and that's okay, but what, what are you dying to do? I mean, there's a lot of things that we're all dying to do, Right. I mean, I'm dying to have a really good steak. I don't know why, but I just have, I just have this deep desire for a really good steak right now. I have a, I'm dying for the Cowboys to win tomorrow night. I really am. I'm dying inside for the Cowboys to win another Super Bowl. It's been 30 years. But anyway, to the real stuff. Um, we're all in life dying for something, at least in the terminology that we use. There's something that we want so very bad, or there's something that we want to see so very bad that we're willing, in a lot of ways, we're willing to give up a lot of things to see this happen. Or if it would just happen, I would. And we make all kinds of all kinds of promises uh, to ourselves and to others, and sometimes, uh, sometimes to our Father in Heaven. We'll make a promise to Him that, man, I'm just, I'm just dying to see this happen. And if you would just let it happen, I would. And then it turns into a, like a New Year's resolution. It just, it kind of goes away. Because today's January the 15th. How many of you show of hands? Well, first, how many of you made a resolution? Okay, we don't even have to ask the second question. <laughs> Nobody made one, so we don't have to show our hands of how many of us have broken them already. I didn't make one this year because I knew there wasn't a point. It was, you know, by the third, it, it was going to be gone anyway. But, you know, there, we just, that, that's sometimes how, that's, that's sometimes just how we, how we live. It's, we just, but, uh, and we give up, or we, or we give in. And that's as we head into these next three chapters, Romans 6, 7, and 8, that we're going to cover over the next three weeks in this, this idea of dying to live. Paul is going to start unwrapping some really new stuff for us. Because you know, back before Christmas, when we went through those first five chapters, we really dug deep into the whole... Um, uh, not just not just the promise, but the truth and what Paul was teaching us is about our justification that we have through our faith in Christ. That it 
it, it's all about our faith. He made a big case. And this, the way we're going to look at this, especially today, we're going to look at this like we're, we're in a courtroom. Because, you know, I've shared with you before, and, and the, way, the way that I read this and some of the things that, uh, that I see, Paul is either anticipating a whole lot of arguments and objections or he's actually hearing them. And I think more than, more than just the, the thoughts in his head as he's writing this letter is the fact that some of these objections that he counters in this letter to the church in Rome is that he's actually heard these voiced to him in, in discussions before. But he's, he's placed everything in his opening arguments on this idea of justification by faith and that everything, everything is accomplished through faith in Christ. Not by our works, not by anything that we do, not by anything that we can do, but trusting completely and surrendering fully to Jesus Christ. And He's the Lord of all, or He's not the Lord at all. And, and you know, that's, if there's anything that I hope that you took away uh, from last year in those first five chapters is that we either in this idea of justification and Christ taking our place, Christ standing in for us, Christ the sacrifice that he made on the cross makes us righteous in the eyes of God and for us complete surrender is the only option. It's the only option that we have as believers in Christ because he's either the Lord of all or he's not the Lord at all. And again, those things that we're dying to see happen, dying to live for, we ought to be dying to live for him. And this is, this is the case that Paul's going to unwrap for us over the, next, uh, over the next three weeks. And again, we're, we're going to see the way, I hope that you see the way, your, your brains don't work like mine, and in a lot of ways that's a good thing. But I hope you see how Paul unwraps this for us as we're going in, and he's building a case and defending this teaching of his of justification by faith. And again, I know that he's hearing either in his heart or he's heard from people that they're just yelling like in a courtroom, I object. I just, I disagree. I object because you know when you, and now there's so many shows that we can watch about trials, and of course they're not all actually how trials take place, but there's always somebody objecting to the argument that's being made and the case that's being built. Whether or not it's factual, what they're disagreeing with, they're just they're disagreeing with what's being presented. And you know, in the culture and the climate, when Paul is writing these letters that we find in the New Testament and in the time where he's teaching, there's a lot of objection and a lot of objection from the Jewish culture and the the ones who have stood on the law, and the law is the only way. And you have to follow the law and you have to do all of these things to obtain righteousness. And here comes Paul. And Paul is saying, no, it's by our faith in Christ alone. Our faith in Christ that we are justified and we're made in right standing with him. So you know there's a whole group of people that are just saying, nope, 
I object to that. I disagree with that. That is, that is not right. So here we go. Paul's going to build a case for us. And we're going to introduce a new word. We've talked about this a little bit, but not in great detail. But we're going to introduce a new word because what Paul uses for his case and his explanation is what we call sanctification. And another big, just another one of those, those big church, seminary, whatever you want to call it, words that don't always make sense to us. But sanctification, here's all it is. This is what it boils down to. And this is what Paul is declaring for us, that sanctification, the change or the changes that God makes in our life as we grow in faith. That's what sanctification is. When we surrender our lives to Christ in faith and we're justified, we're made righteous in God's eyes, a process starts. It's not instant. We don't instantly become perfect people. That's not, that's not what Christianity is. We're not perfect people. We are not perfect people. We will not be perfect people here on this earth that will be obtained one day when we meet our maker but we're going through a process we're allowing God to take us through a process to make changes in our lives as we trust him more and that's day by day Day by day, because as we see God work and as we see God make changes, it ought to trigger in us a desire to go a little bit deeper. And then he makes another change. And then a desire to go a little bit deeper. So our desire dying to live should be for him. Because he had, and the word for us this Sunday morning, the word for us is because of the victory that he has given us. And that's what we're going to see in chapter 6. The true victory that we have because of what Christ did for us and our faith in him and the process that God began to change our lives. So let's, let's dig into uh, to what Paul has for us. And we're going to look at uh, first verses 1 through 4. Those will be on the screen for you. And this is, this is where I say is that, that first objection. That either Paul has heard. Or he knows in his heart is, gonna, or is going to be part of an argument that he will hear. And the objection is. And, and see, if, see if this rings a bell with you, if you've even had this thought. If grace abounds when we sin, because we're covered by the grace of God. If grace abounds when we sin, then let's continue to sin so that we might experience or get more grace. Anybody ever had that thought? I mean, it, it really is a thought that some have, and, and again, Paul is anticipating that argument. So let's go and see what he says for us, starting in verse 1 of chapter 6. His answer to this objection, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? And I don't know about your translation, but mine says, Of course not. And you can translate that, Absolutely not. You can translate that, Are you kidding me? You can translate that, no. 
I mean, just, just real simple. N-O, not K-N-O. N-O. No. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or... Have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Dying to live. The victory that we have over sin. And God has given us an incredible victory. And if, if you know, it, it is, it's, it's, a, it's a discussion that, um, that is a reality. And, and for me, I just I always like to be transparent with you and, and let you know how my, my heart works and what part of my story is. This really resonates with me. And, and my story and my journey of faith because, you know, I wrestled as, as a younger person. I really wrestled with this idea of, and, and to me it was an idea. When I say that word, it's, it's, it, it's what I mean because it's what I wrestled with. This idea of forgiveness and this idea of grace and this idea of whether I misunderstood things or not growing up, but what I had in my heart and my mind is, had I done enough, had I done enough to earn it, deserve it, to live in it? And then there was a time that I wrestled with this whole idea too. You know, well, if, if God forgives me, if God forgives me, then I ought to just give him more to forgive because I'm good. And we, we know that's not the way it works because in, in our, if we're, if we're living that way, we see the words that Paul wrote for us, of course not. I mean, that makes, that makes no logical sense. And if that's our attitude and that's the attitude that I wrestled with at some point in time, then the forgiveness that we get from God um, and the sin in our lives we, we just must not really take that very serious, the, the grace that God has extended on us. Because if we, if we really understand justification, if we really understand the grace that God has showered on us, and if we really understand this idea that God is making changes in our lives, then we've got to take all of this very seriously, the change that he's made in our lives, and it shouldn't give us a heart to take advantage of him. But if, if our understanding is, well, God forgives and God showers grace, so I just do whatever I want to do because I'm covered and he's just going to give me more. We're, we're not understanding and we're taking advantage of him. And Paul gives us, Paul gives us some, some direction, some instruction on battling this idea in our lives and that that desire in us to live for him and what should be a desire in us to live in the victory that we've been given over sin and the first thing and this is this couldn't come this couldn't have come together better if I wanted it to the first thing that Paul gives us as as an instruction and we see this in three different verses as we go down the the text and I'll point them out to you 
the first instruction that he gives us to battle this objection and battle this argument and to live in that change that God is making us is to have our minds centered on God and to know God. I couldn't have put that together myself any better if I'd wanted to. If you were with us last week, you remember that we've shared with each other our word uh, for the year 2023 is no. To deeply know the love that God has for us and to live in that and experience that love on an individual basis. And I told you and I meant it with everything I had that my heart and my desire for you is that this is like a fever that just wells up in you as, as God is making changes in your life and you're getting to know him a little bit better that you just want more. Because it just makes a change in your heart. It makes a change in the direction of your life. And you want to know him more. And he wants to know you more. And you're experiencing, experiencing that change that he's making in your life. Instead of just stepping back and saying, okay, I'm good. So I'm just going to keep on doing what I've been doing. And I'm not going to worry about it. Because that's the first change that God makes in our lives when we surrender to Him. It's, we, we have, through the Holy Spirit, we have an understanding, truly, an understanding of, call it right and wrong, call it whatever you want to call it, but we know, through the Holy Spirit, we know when our lives are not a reflection of what God wants us to be and who he wants us to be and what he wants us to do. The world likes to call it a conscience. I would argue with you that a lot of the world really doesn't have much of a conscience. But through the Holy Spirit, we have that knowledge of what's right and wrong. And Paul tells us that we've got... We've, we've got to know, we've got to center our minds on Christ. And he really wants us to understand this. And here's, here's the thing that's, that's against that. Satan, our enemy, wants to keep us ignorant. And he'll do everything he can to take us out of the game. We've talked already this morning uh, and Joe, thank you for what you shared this morning. But those, those burdens, those loads that we carry, you realize where they're from. The enemy is doing everything that he can to take us out of the game. And each of us have a different load. And, and life is a load. I get that. But the enemy uses those things against us. To prevent us in the best that he can from knowing God deeper and going deeper in our relationship and allowing God to make those changes that he, wanna, he wants to make. And I told you I would show you those in the text. Verse 3 uh, that we've read already. Or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Christ in, in baptism, we joined him in his death? And what Paul is saying, have you forgotten? Don't you know? Don't you know he died for your sins? And through our, our baptism, 
And, and there, you know, we, we have the baptism of the Spirit that comes when we accept Christ and the Spirit indwells us and begins to make those changes in our lives. But we also, in baptism, we're buried. The old is gone. The old is buried and we're raised to walk in new life. He died for us and we're raised in him and the victory over sin and, and all of the, the, the things in our life of old, we have victory and those things are gone. And that th those things that, that tie us up, you hear the word sometimes bondage, the bondage of sin. You know, there's, there's things in our lives that really can get us tied up and tangled up and leave us for dead. But through Him and with Him, we're released from those. And we have victory over those. Verse 6, uh, Paul writes for us in verse 6, we know, and this won't be on the screen, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that we might, yeah, I'm in the right verse, so that we might lose, let me read again. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. And, and Paul is saying, we know this. The penalty of our sin has been paid and its power is broken. And sin, catch this, because we don't, we don't always live in this, but sin, that its hold in our lives is rendered inactive. It really is rendered inactive, and we make a choice. We sometimes still will make the choice to cooperate with sin when we allow those things to creep back in and the enemy to, to get a foot in the door and we'll listen to that voice and we're cooperating with him instead of living in the victory and the freedom that God gives us because God doesn't make us. And sometimes sometimes I almost wish that he did, but then I don't. And you'll understand when I actually say what I'm saying. God, does, God doesn't make us robots. And he doesn't take us out of the world. He leaves us here. And you can find this in Scripture. He leaves us here to live for him we're in the world but he doesn't leave us to be part of the world we have a choice to make an example to live a life to reflect his galatians 2:20 my old self i love this verse my old self has been crucified with christ all that junk is gone. It's been buried. It's dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We have victory. The choice is ours. How we live in this world. The mark that we make through our lives with God. Again, we're justified by faith, 
but through that word sanctification, the changes that God is making in our lives, we have the power, the strength, and the ability to live for him. In verse 9, the last one to, uh, to point out to you from those, those no instructions that Paul gives us. If I can find it. Karen, I may need your glasses again. It's, it's, it's pretty rough this morning. There's no light up here. Here it goes. Verse 9. But we are sure of this because Christ, who ra- was, Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. And what Paul is telling us, we're sure of this. We know that. Through the death of Christ, sin no longer has control. Sin no longer has control. Sin wants to be our master, right? Sin wants to have control. The enemy wants to have control of who we are. But we are, through the victory of the death of Christ, we are able to live under the freedom of God's grace. The freedom of God's grace. There's a word in verse 11, depending again on your translation, that to me adds a, it almost adds a, a, a comical thought to this as well, um, because I'm from Northeast Texas. The word is, is reckon. And, and Paul is telling us that this is reckon to us. And when I hear the word reckon, I always think in Northeast Texas terms, well, I reckon so. You know, it's like I'm, I'm guessing, I guess so. You know, I, I guess so. I guess that the, <clears throat> the blood of Christ has covered me, and I, I guess so. I guess that, that I can live, you know, that I can live a better life. And I, I, I guess, I suppose, I, I suppose that I, I, I can believe this. But here, here's what Paul is saying through that word reckon. Don't think Northeast Texas. Think the reality of the word. Paul is saying that we should give this regard. We should give this real regard and deep consideration. And we should believe that what God says in his word is true in our lives. And that's what Paul wants us to understand and to realize. What what God says is reality really is reality. And we don't have to feel it. He doesn't tell us to feel it. He doesn't really tell us even to understand it. And, and we know as believers in our faith journey, we understand more as God changes things day by day. But what, he's, what Paul is telling us, what God is telling us through Paul, is we're to act on God's Word. We're to claim God's Word. Not just claiming a promise, but acting on a fact acting on a reality, living on a reality, the reality that we are dead to sin and alive to God, and we should act like it, act on it. It should be who we are. And that's what Paul wants us to understand in this argument of this, this objection that, that, he's, that he's countering against. And he's asking us to yield. That's, that's another one of our, our words for this morning. He's acting, asking us to yield. Because 
in order in order to live according to the truth that we claim and and the reality that we have in the word of god and the 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 truth that we're giving we've got to yield ourselves to allow god to work we've got we've got to get ourselves out of the way and we've got to submit to the authority of God. Not just words, but our lives. We've got to submit our lives and live like He is a reality in our lives. Not just somebody that we talk about and not just somebody that we come together on Sunday morning uh, to, uh, to look at some, some truths but we've got to live like he is a reality in our lives. Second objection, and we'll, uh, we'll cover this one fairly quickly as we wrap up chapter 6. But in verses 15 through 23, this second objection that Paul is, is arguing against. If we're no longer under the law, because we, he's established that for us, um, in the beginning of, of the letter. If we're no longer under the law, then we are free to live as we please. And this sounds a lot like that first objection, that first part of, of the chapter, and, and what Paul goes on to old, unfold for us. And if you, if you read those verses, and we're, we have them on the slides, but we're not going to get through all of them. Um, but Paul makes that same, that same argument and those, those same three words again. Of course not. Of course not. We're not free to live as we please. And we're not free to challenge God's favor. And we're not free to, to keep trying to see if we can get a little more grace from him because he loves us and he'll forgive us and then he'll give us more grace. But what Paul is telling us is as we live in God's favor, this victory that we have, we should surrender ourselves. We should give ourselves to him and we should allow him to be the master of our lives, not sin, not live under the mastery of sin, but to live under God as the master. And you know, we all have, we all have, we may not call it that word, but we all have a master that we desire to, to pattern our lives after. And it varies for each of us. And sometimes it varies based on circumstances. We may have a different master at a, at a different time. But what Paul is telling us is we have the freedom to live in the victory of what Christ has done for us and to yield to him as our master. And this, this isn't half-hearted because we're good at that too. Just kind of halfway going after something halfway, living uh, halfway, half effort. But we're called to yield 
all of ourselves and to know that God is our Lord and to give everything to Him. And it should be, it should be impossible for us to be neutral in that. To, to straddle the fence. To be half in, half out. In good old A&M terms where, where I was raised up in the cult. We called it being a two percenter. And in our faith walk, in our lives, in our surrender, what Paul is telling us is we can't be two percenters. We can't be just in when it's good a little bit and then out when it's bad. And like this year, I know football analogies are all not always the best or everybody's favorite. But, you know, this year for A&M football, it was real easy to be a two percenter because the season was terrible. But my heart, Daniel's heart for A&M football, we're believers. We're in, right? Yeah. And it, it's, we're still committed. We're still there. And that's got to be, that has got to be our walk with Christ. We're not in between. We're not halfway in. We're not a two percenter. We're not a believer when it's good. We're in, and the fruit of our lives, not the fruit, if, if you read these verses at the end of the chapter, not the fruit that's of our past that we're ashamed of, and we don't have to be ashamed of anymore because they're covered by the blood of Christ, but the fruit of our lives now is we live to glorify God, yielded to His, His commands, yielded to His love, Reckoning that it's all valid and it's all true and for everything for Him. Because we do have a choice, but our choice is for Him. And then verse 23, I want to share this with you. We will read this one, and I think Lisa can put it on the screen by itself. Because this is one of those verses that we use a lot as a church. When we're sharing with someone what it means for putting their faith in Christ. Paul writes, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And what Paul is writing, while that is true for someone that's not surrendered their life to Christ, do you realize that that verse, and in that context and what Paul is sharing with us, that verse is written for us as well because we know because of the victory that we have in Christ those wages those things that we earn those things that we deserve because of our sin lead to death but because of the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross the free gift of grace that comes through Jesus Christ eternal life is ours so this verse isn't just part of the roman road to share with someone that doesn't believe this verse is a verse for us because of the victory that we have in christ we have victory 
We have something to live for. We should be dying to live for Him. He left us here to give His name glory because of the way we live our lives in trust and faith through Him as He makes changes in our lives. So as we, as we prepare to worship and close our morning out, I want to give you a couple of things, uh, a couple of things to, uh, to think of in, our, in this idea of what we're dying to live for. What does, and then just, just questions for you, what does this idea, this truth of justification by faith mean to you? What, it, what does it really mean to you? What are, and what are you doing with the fact, the fact, the reality, the truth, that through Christ you're made right? And then the last question, am I, are you allowing God to make the changes in my life, in your life that he wants to make as the master of our lives and is there something that's in the way something that's in the way to me yielding completely my life to his let's pray together father this morning again god just just to rest in the truth of your word and god, and god i pray that as as paul is is declaring for us so well that for us this is truly is and truly can be a reflection of who we are in you father that we are we are dying to live for you because of the victory that we have through your son and father again if there's if there are things that are in the way, things that we're holding on to, things that we're using to prevent you from working, God, I pray that you would, you would show us how and give us the courage to lay those things down. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.